Okay, good evening everybody. This week we read the Perashah's Tetzaveh, and we also have, uh, we have the Megillah. So we'll put a little bit of the Megillah. Uh, I don't think we're going to get to everything, but we're going to try our best. We begin this week's Yisrael. You should command. You should command B'nai Yisrael. They should take to you. The word should be They should bring to you. Instead it says They should take to you. Shemen Zayid Zach. Pure olive oil. And it's supposed to be beaten and it's going to be for what? Lahalot ner tamid to light the 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 menorah. So the command is again the word take tetikach It should always be bring. So there's a problem with this idea of take oil. What do you mean take? And the question is they're commanded They are commanded on all the other things. They weren't commanded. They were volunteers. But when it comes to oil, you have to command. The problem is, command them to do what? To bring olive oil? The question is very simple. Where are they going to get olive oil in the desert? Is there an olive grove growing by an oasis? Are they going to send people to Eretz Israel to the olive trees that are in Israel, to go collect olives? Where do you get olives in the desert? The next question is, Vayikhu Elecha. They should bring it to you. Bring it to who? To Moshe Rabenu. Why bring it to Moshe Rabenu? He has to have people responsible for the collection. He has to have people responsible for gathering the things. Moshe is in charge of millions of people. They're going to start bringing him their olive oil? How come to Moshe? And the other question, the obvious question is, it says, Every other parasha we begin. Hashem El Moshe Lemod. We begin the parasha, Hashem says to Moshe, saying, Hashem begins, here it says, Why is Moshe's name not there? Also, who's going to light the menorah? It's not going to be Moshe, really. It's going to be Aaron. Although there's a machloket, who lit the menorah the first seven days? Was that Moshe? And only after the seven days of uh, setup did he transfer, or was it, Transfer to Aaron. Also, we shouldn't have this law of bringing the olive oil until we decide who's going to light the menorah and who you're bringing the olive oil to. And we have, we don't have that until we have Aaron, and he's not going to be appointed till later. Additionally, we shouldn't have this until we hear about all of the clothing that's given to the that the Kohen Gadol is going to have to have. So we have all of those, all these questions come, it's, it's hard to understand. But the first question, the question we all deal with in this perasha, and I, I think most of us have seen this answer, is, uh, is what the Baal Tudim brings. He says, Lo Moshe bezeh. He says that Moshe's name is not mentioned in this seder. Ma she'en ken bechol hachumash. And it's not so in the rest of the Chumash. Because he says, there's no perashah in which the name of Moshe doesn't appear since he's born. Because when, and what, what's the reason? And he explains, next week's perashah. We have next week the Chet HaEgel, the sin of the golden calf. And Hashem tells Moshe, I'm going to destroy the people. And Moshe says, please Hashem, don't destroy the people. 
And if you're going to destroy the people, Hashem says, no, I'm going to make a nation from you. Moshe says, no, if you're going to do that, erase me from your book that you have written. Erase me from your book. means Hashem, Hashem he told Moshe, erase, Moshe told Hashem, erase me from your book. Moshe said something out of his mouth. He's, the words of a Sadiq have to come true. What, what does that mean? It's, so at some point he has to have his name erased. So we go every perasha until we come to the last perasha before that perasha appears again. And therefore in this whole perasha, because Moshe said erase me, his name is not in this perasha. The father of uh, the father of uh, the Baal HaTurim, Rabbeinu Yaakov, is Rabbeinu Asher, the Rosh. He says that the absence of Moshe's name is surprising. He also notes that this doesn't apply to the book of Devarim, which was really Mishneh Torah that Moshe wrote later on and was somewhat separate of the rest. He says, and he, he's the one who explains that a Chacham carries, his words carry some validity. Therefore, Hashem chose to admit Moshe's name from this parasha, from the parasha of Tetzaveh. This was, he says, his punishment for his comment to Hashem, erase me now. But how could we say that Moshe should be punished for such a thing? Moshe was really being an unbelievable leader. He's a loyal shepherd. He's trying to save his flock. He wants to save B'nai Israel at any cost. And in the aftermath of the Chetaega, what did Hashem say? Hashem says, get away from me. Let my anger burn against them. I'm going to annihilate them. And I'm going to make you, Moshe, into a great nation. What did Moshe do? He stood in front of Hashem in order to spare B'nai Israel from annihilation. And therefore, what does he say? He says, bear their sin, and if not, erase me from your book. I, I don't want to be the guy. So the question is, couldn't Hashem find some other way to, to spare Moshe's life, to, to give in to Moshe by, he had to admit, uh, omit him from one perashah in the Chumash? When Moshe says to Hashem, if, erase me from your book, what book is he referring to? Many Chachamim say he's referring to the book of life. Moshe is basically saying to Hashem, you know what, if you're going to destroy B'nai Israel, you can get rid of me. Get rid of me. I'm not going to be here. So why did Moshe say explicitly what he said? In, the, in this case, compared to when he's dealing with the people complaining. We have when the Moshe is dealing with the people complaining, Moshe gets to the point and he says, he says, he says that if, you, if you're not going to deal, you're going to kill me now. Here he says specifically, erase me from your book. Why one, why the other? Okay, so now let's jump back to the book of Bereshit. And that's how we're going to try to understand what's going on in this perasha. We really, really need to understand based on the life of Noah. Noah. Remember, Noah is in the ark. It begins to rain. He goes into the ark. He has to be forced, so to say, into the ark. And Noah is in the ark with his animals for one full year. One full solar year. 365 days. Now, what, what is the, the understanding of 365 days? 365 days, one year, is the maximum duration of a rasha. In Gehinam. It's the maximum duration that an evil person stays in Gehinam. This is one of the reasons we say Kaddish for the year and then we stop at 11 months for a week in order to say, no, for sure that person can't be 
under the edict of a rasha, he can't be a full year. And and here, Noah is put in the ark for one full year. Now I want you to imagine something. We mentioned it in the parashah of Noah. Imagine what it must have been like in that ark. If you ever went to the Bronx Zoo in the morning, when they just cleaned up or they're cleaning up, and it stinks. Imagine what it must have smelled like in that ark for one full year with all those animals. And, and who's there cleaning up? Noah. So the rabbis say Noah has an edict against him somewhat like being in Gehinam for a year. The boat comes to a rest on top of the mountain. Is it over? Could he open the door? Could he go out? He doesn't know. He sends the raven. The raven says, no, I'm not interested in even checking anything. He comes back. So what happens? He sends the dove, and the dove brings back an olive branch. What's the meaning of the olive branch that the dove brings back to Noah? One opinion is, Noah, I brought back an olive branch. An olive is very, very bitter. Before you pickle an olive, it's very, very bitter. But I would rather the bitter leaf of the olive tree, the bitter bark of an olive tree, than honey from you. I would rather the bitter from Hashem rather than something sweet from you. And you would say, Mr. Mr. Dove, are you an ingrate? Noah kept you and your 13 buddies alive and the rest of the animals. If it wasn't for Noah, you would be dead with the rest of the doves in the, in the world. Why are you acting like this to Noah? Why? One of the answers the rabbis give is the only reason Noah survived was because he took care of the animals, which we discussed in Parashat Noah. The chesed of taking care of the animals for the year retroactively in some way saves Noah. Now the dove we know in Shir HaShirim is compared to Bnei Israel. We'll get to that in a minute. Just like the dove is bringing the olive branch to Noah, Am Yisrael are ordered to bring olive oil to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Midrash Tanhuma tells us the reason that Hashem commanded Bnei Israel specifically to light the menorah with olive oil is intimately related to the incident with the dove, with the Yonah, with Noah. In Shira Shirim it says, You're beautiful, my love. You are, light, you are beautiful and your eyes are dove-like. From there, the rabbis say, you resemble the dove, B'nai Israel. How so? When Noah was in the ark, he sent out the raven. The raven went back and forth and said, I'm not interested. Then he sent out the dove. Just as the dove brought light into the world, so too you, B'nai Israel, are compared to the dove because you brought olive oil to light the lamp, to light the menorah before me. We also see this in the Midrash. The Midrash questions why were B'nai Israel commanded to bring pure olive oil that was thoroughly crushed? Why couldn't they bring some other oil? Why couldn't they bring an oil from nuts? Why couldn't they bring an oil from radishes? Why couldn't they bring an oil from fish? And it answers that it's because olive oil signifies the idea of illumination, of lighting up. 
the commentaries on the Midrash explain that when Noah, when the dove brought to Noah the olive leaf, Noah realized the Mabul was over. As a result, he and his family were able to leave the darkness of the Teva and enter into the light of the world. So we have B'nai Israel are compared to the dove, but we have to understand what was so special about what the dove did. What was so special about the dove bringing this olive branch? Apparently what the dove did was so remarkable that Hashem chose to memorialize the deed of the dove by commanding us to light the menorah in the Ben HaMikdash specifically with Shemin Zayit, olive oil. The Khatam Sofer brings down in his Derashot, he brings something beautiful. He says we have to look at the last word of last week's Perasha and the first word of this week's Perasha. The last word in last week's Perasha was the word Nechoshet. Nechoshet, breasts. The first word of this week's perasha is ve'ata. Now, Leon, if you write the word nechoshet, nun chet shin taf, what do you have? Nun chet noach, shin taf shet, ve'ata, and you. So the Torah is saying to Moshe, noach, shet, and you. Noach, shet, and you, Moshe, you're all the same person. Moshe Rabbeinu says the Chatam Sofer was a Gilgul, as we brought many times, of the Neshama of Noach, who was a Gilgul of the Neshama of Shet, and we said all of them are the Gilgul of Hevel. Therefore it says Noach, Shet, Ve'ata. Noach, Shet, Nechoshet, Ve'ata. So the last, the last words of Pashat Terumah and the first word of Pashat Tetzaveh allude to the three Gilgulim. There was Shet, who died. He's reincarnated as Noah, who dies. And comes Moshe to the, to, to the Tikkun. The Chatam Sofer goes further. He says, what's the reason we're told here specifically in this Perashat to bring Shemen, Shin, Mem, Nun, Shemen, Shet, Moshe, Noah, Shemet. Brings this all alludes to this aspect of Gilgul through pure olive oil. But we're going to see why. Because the Chatam Sofer, he, he's perplexed. He asks a question. Why is the fact alluded to here and not somewhere else? Why wouldn't we discuss the Gilgul of Moshe at his birth? Why wouldn't we discuss the Gilgul of Moshe at his death? Why, specifically in this parasha? When it comes to bringing olive oil for the menorah, that you're told to bring it specifically to Moshe and to no one else. So we learned in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, there's a Braita, Rabbi Ishmael. He says that the decree to punish and destroy the world with the Mabul was issued against Noah as well as everyone in his generation. But Noah was spared. Why? Because it says, Noach matzachen be'ene Hashem. Noach found favor in the eyes of Hashem. What does it say? It says in Bereshit, I reconsidered making man, but Noach matzachen be'ene Hashem. Noach is the one who found favor. 
So the question is, if Noah was included in the decree of the Mabul, of the flood, and he didn't deserve to be saved, how does he find favor in the eyes of Hashem? After all, the Torah says Hashem doesn't take bribes. So how does he matzachin? And the rabbis explain that in truth, Noah was a consummate tzaddik. It says, tzaddik But he had one major flaw. And I think this really is the difference where it says, Noah compared to Abraham Avinu. Noah didn't venture out from his Dalit Amot. Noah didn't venture out from his space. He didn't venture out to influence the other members of his generation. The pre-Megadim suggests that Noah, he sought seclusion with Hashem. Hey Hashem, I just wanted to be me and you. He didn't venture out to rebuke the people of his generation. He didn't go out to try to teach them. He didn't try to go out to rectify their behavior, to teach them how to live and what they're supposed to do. The Zohar Kadosh on Parshat Noah teaches us that Noah is faulted for not having prayed on behalf of the people of his generation. He should have prayed to save them from their tragic deaths. deaths. And the Zohar Kadosh there compares him specifically to Moshe Rabbeinu, who next week will pray to save B'nai Israel from Cheta Egel. We learned Moshe was willing to sacrifice his entire life for B'nai Israel. He says to Hashem, if not, erase me from your book. Kill me now. It's precisely for this reason that the 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 uh, the Navi Yishayahu, Yishayahu, the Haftarah that we read, then it talks about May Noah, the waters of Noah. Hashem says, "The waters of Noah, I swore never to bring again." May Noah. It seems that this Noah's fault, the waters, and the rabbis say, "Yes, Noah was included to the, in the decree," and we know that Hashem is very harsh in His judgment of Sadiqim. So the question again is, how does Noah find chen? Noah matzachen b'nei Hashem. We say it every every Saturday night. Noah matzachen b'nei Hashem. We say it three times in Havdalah. What is the chen that Noah found in the eyes of Hashem? And what's the lesson to us? Where did it come from? Rabbeinu Hari, the Arizal, he writes in Likutei Torah that in fact, Noah was reincarnated into Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu corrected Noah's flaw in failing to pray for his generation. How? By being put in the exact same situation and doing the opposite. Remember that when Hashem came to Noah and said, I'm going to destroy the world, but I'm going to save you. Noah says, hey, fine, baby, I'm in that ark. But when Hashem says to Moshe, I'm going to destroy B'nai Israel, but I'm going to save you, what does Moshe say? No way, Hashem. If that's the plan, I'm not part of it. Wipe me out. It says, because Noah didn't save his generation, the flood is called May Noah. Therefore, at this point specifically, Moshe, who's Gilgul of Noah, says, Mecheni, erase me. If I take the letters of Mechini, I have the words May Noach, the waters of Noach. So Moshe specifically is telling Hashem, erase me, but
but the secret within the words erase me are because Hashem, I messed up last time when I was Noah. Now let me fix the waters of Noah by doing the right thing today. Noah had 120 years in his merit that Hashem held off on the flood. And it's interesting that 120 years is the same as the life of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's when Hashem says that man's life is going to be up to 120 years because who's the essence? Moshe Rabbeinu, even then at the time of Noah. Moshe prayed on behalf of Bnei Israel. He says, Mecheni, Mecheni na. It's interesting, the word Mecheni na is the words not just, not just me Noah, is Ani Noah, right? I am Noah. It says, the, this is he, he wants to save his entire generation from the Chet HaEgel. Hashem tells Moshe, don't say anything, stop, I don't want to hear from you. I'm going to annihilate them and I'm going to make you in a great, a great nation. What does Moshe do even when Hashem says, don't talk to me? He steps in. Because Hashem was suggesting that, you know what Moshe, don't say anything. Let me make you a great nation. Hashem saying to Moshe, you know what, this already happened once before. I told you, get in the ark. You said, okay, let's just do it again. Repeat business. Same exact thing. What happens? All the inhabitants of the earth are destroyed in the Magbul. So Hashem tells, he wants to tell Moshe, Moshe, I'm putting you in the same place, the same situation, the same things happening. What are you going to do this time? And that's where Moshe comes. He says, is he going to neglect? Is he going to do what he did before? Or is he going to pray for Bnei Israel? And Moshe had tremendous affection for Bnei Israel. He was willing to sacrifice his life in order to save Bnei Israel from annihilation. Rabbeinu Ari teaches us in Sha'ar Pesukim that the people, we mentioned before, the people of the generation of the Mabul possessed very important neshamot. They really could have been the tikkun of the world. And they failed and they came back and were reincarnated. We mentioned as the tower, the people of the Tower of Bavel and the people of Sedom, and finally the people in Mitzrayim. But Rabbeinu Ha'ari explains, what's the connection between the people of the flood and the people in Mitzrayim? He says, we see specifically that Paro decreed, every male child who will be born, he's going to be thrown into the river. And says Rabbeinu Ha'ari, that just as they were punished with water in the generation of the Mabu, so too, Bnei Israel were punished with water in Mitzrayim. But we have to remember in Mitzrayim they had a high percentage of them who refined their souls through the hard and difficult labor. And ultimately they achieved their tikkun when they received the Torah on Har Sinai. Now if we combine these two pieces of information we can begin to understand how amazing Hashem is. How amazing this whole concept of Gilgul is, of reincarnation is. Hashem reincarnates Neshamot with, with, with divine precision, such unbelievable precision in order to rectify them. The generation of the Mabul, of the flood, reincarnates into Mitzrayim, and that's where they're refined through the slavery in Mitzrayim. Similarly, Noah, the spiritual leader of the generation of the Mabul. What happens? He reincarnates into Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of Bnei Israel, 
in Mitzrayim when they leave Mitzrayim. Then he wasn't willing to sacrifice himself. This time he's willing to sacrifice himself. And this achieves the tikkun of Noah. Thus Noah and the generation of the Mabul achieve their tikkun, the whole generation, in the guise of Moshe and B'nai Israel in Mitzrayim. We can now better understand the statement of Chazal. The decree was issued even against Noah. However, Noah matzachen b'nei Hashem. What does that mean? On his own, Noah didn't deserve to be spared from the Mabul. Why? He failed to rebuke his contemporaries. He neglected to pray on their behalf. Nevertheless, Noah matzachen b'nei Hashem. Because Hashem foresaw, so to speak, that he was destined to come back as Moshe. And Moshe would rectify Noah's faults. Therefore, in that merit, Noah was excluded from the decree of the Mabul. The chen that, that Hashem found in Noah was what? Was Moshe Rabbeinu himself. It says that we have to understand that the one thing that perhaps Noah lacked more than anything was the sense of appreciation. When a neshama comes into this world, the rabbis tell us, he has to swear not to destroy the world. The neshama has to be responsible and he has to appreciate the gift of the world that Hashem gave us. Bobby back. Has to, has to appreciate the, the world that Hashem gave us. It says, how far do we have to appreciate? How far do we have to have hoda'ah things? Could you imagine, we have a halakha, not to hate an Egyptian. What do you mean, don't hate an Egyptian? Look at the evil they did to us. They enslaved us. They did harsh things. They killed our babies. Don't hate an Egyptian? No. The Torah has a halakha, a commandment, a mitzvah. Don't hate the Egyptian. Why? Because when we had nowhere to go, when we needed food, they let us in. So we have to look at the good, appreciate the good, even when there's tremendous bad. The key is B'nai Israel always has to be Yehudim, Hoda'ah, appreciation, thankfulness. Why do we build the Mishkan? Last week we discussed one reason. But let's try to understand. We have in the Mishkan a Shulchan. Shulchan is filled with showbreads. Obviously Hashem's not eating any bread. In fact, it's the Kohanim who come each week and eat the bread. But what does this Shulchan remind us of? What does it remind us of? It reminds us <coughs> that Hashem provides sustenance to the world. Hashem provided man to the people then. Hashem provides sustenance to us, and we have to appreciate it. We have a kior. The kior is the, the wash basin where the, where the Kohanim went. And the Kohanim in the, at the Kior, they wash their feet, they wash their hands. Why do we have a Kior? It's water. To remind us that Hashem gave us water in the desert. Hashem gives us water. There's a Midrash that goes through each of the vessels of the Mishkan and explains that each vessel is specifically to remind us of the beautiful things that Hashem does. We have to remember, who was the first person in the world not to appreciate Hashem? Who? 
And we know it was the first person. It was Adam HaRishon. Adam, when Hashem comes to him and says, Adam, what'd you do? The one tree I told you not to eat from, you ate from. How could you do that? What does Adam say? I'm sorry, Hashem, I messed up. No. He says, Hashem, not my fault. It was the wife that you gave me. It's not my fault, Hashem. It's your fault. Lack of appreciation. We have, after the generation of the Mabul, still in the time of Noah, we have the generation of Dor HaFlaga, the Tower of Babel. The Ne Adam. What is it? They don't appreciate. They had everything you could imagine. Everything technologically advanced. They had wonderful lives. What do they want to do? Rebel and battle with Hashem. And that's the downfall. The Mishkan was the key to appreciate. To remind ourselves of what Hashem gives us. And what we have to appreciate. And our leader, Moshe Rabbeinu, he showed a tremendous appreciation of life. He showed a tremendous appreciation of people. He showed a tremendous appreciation of Hashem's creation. He begs Hashem, don't destroy B'nai Israel. The first time we meet, we meet Moshe, he's going out to see what's happening to the people. He sees an Egyptian beating one of B'nai Israel, and he goes in to intercede to save him and kills the Egyptian in order to save in order to save the, the Jew. The next day he goes and sees two Jews fighting. He doesn't let them fight. He steps in to intercede, to break up the fight, to try to bring peace. When do we see Moshe again? We see Moshe coming out to Midian. The first action in Midian is he sees that the daughters of Yitro are being harassed and he goes in to save them from the shepherd. Moshe cares about everyone. Moshe is there for everybody. He's for other people. This idea of caring, of appreciating what Hashem gave us, this is what's needed to fix the sin of Adam, what's needed to fix the sin of Dor HaFlaga. When it comes to Avodah Zarah, we read in the Torah, it seems Hashem gets very upset. But do we think that Hashem really gets upset? It's ridiculous. It's like my grandson Yosef. Is he there today? Is he, imagine Yosef comes and he tells me, you know, Grandpa, I have my G.I. Joe. That's my grandpa. You're not my grandpa. G.I. Joe is my grandpa. Do I get upset? So like someone brings an idol and says, this is God. The golden calf next week. This is the God who took us out of Egypt. Nonsense. What is it all about? It's about wanting to throw off the connection. It's wanting to disconnect, not acknowledge Hashem. The reverse of Hoda'ah. Hoda'ah has two meanings. Hoda'ah is admit. Admit I'm beholden to someone else. Hoda'ah is thanking someone else. The key to life is having appreciation. This is the power of Moshe. The dove tells Noah, better the bitter from Hashem. I appreciate the world Hashem gives us more than what I get from you. Moshe appreciates the world. The dove brings light to the world. Moshe, bring the olive oil to Moshe who brings light to the world. You know, in the Megillah, we see that Haman comes to Achashverosh. He says to Achashverosh, let's destroy the Jews. Achashverosh says, hey, 
<laughs> I don't want to mess with their God. Everyone who messes with their God gets messed up themselves. And Haman says, don't worry, Achashverosh. Their God is sleeping. What does it mean their God is sleeping? Hashem's sleeping? Hashem's behavior towards us reflects our behavior towards Hashem. When we disconnect, when we don't appreciate the world Hashem has given us, when we separate ourselves from Hashem, Hashem in essence separates Himself in the same way from us. The Dinash tells us Eliyahu sees what's happening in the world in the time of Ahasuerosh. He sees the decree of Haman. He sees what's going on. He rushes to wake the Avot. But there's nothing they could do. And then he rushes to wake Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, fine, I'm going to pray to Hashem up in heaven. But who's down there who can pray to Moshe? And Eliyahu says, Mordechai. And the question the Chachamim asks, what do you mean Mordechai? There's a whole Sanhedrin. There's not other people who could pray to Hashem. But it's Mordechai who cares. It's Mordechai who went to Shushan in order to try to rebuild the Bet HaMikdash. He's begging for it to be rebuilt. He wants that point of connection. He wants the embassy back. He wants to be the ambassador, which he is. He's connected. Moshe is not here when Moshe dies. Remember Haman says, Ah, dire great month, no Moshe. But when Moshe dies, there's something unbelievable that happens. You know, B'nai Israel complained about Moshe, complained about Moshe. When Moshe dies, we realize, who was Moshe? He diminished himself for our sake. He never lived for himself. He's selfless. It's only when he dies that the people realize, oh no, everything he did for us, now that he's gone. You know, we always read this perashah, the week, the, the week of Moshe's death. In this case, because Rosh Chodesh was Shabbat, we, we, read the, we read this perashah a week after. The death of Moshe, the birth of Moshe, the seventh of Adar was last Friday. It says, but when Moshe is gone, and then we see this parasha, his name is not mentioned. We feel him gone. We feel him not here because Moshe so much cared about us. This week, you command. We have to understand it relates to the dove that Noah was lacking and Moshe came to fix it. We had leaving Egypt the pillar of fire. We had the menorah. We have the light. The pillar of fire was a reminder of what? Hashem is walking in front of you. Hashem is taking care of you. We have the Ananeha Kodesh, the clouds. We have the Torah. We have the Kaporet. We have the cover. All of those things are there to remind us that Hashem is protecting us. In order to fix the sin of Adam, in order to fix the sin of Dor HaFlagah, in order to, 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 to make up and fix the sin of their lack of appreciation, what do we have to do? We have to appreciate. Rabbeinu HaRamban, the Ramban, Nachmanides, he writes that the purpose of creation is to appreciate Hashem. We say, Kol ya. Every soul should praise Hashem. This is what the Mishkan is all about. Every breath is to appreciate because Adam did not. And by us appreciating, we correct the sin of Adam. We build the synagogue to come to appreciate Moshe himself. He devoted his entire life to appreciate. 
So if we say lesson number one of this week's perasha is to appreciate. Now, let's jump to lesson number two. Three-part class, but let's see if we get to three. <coughs> There's a sefer called Kitfot Ha'efot. It's, and, and in the sefer, it says that Hashem says to Noah, come to the teva, you and your entire household, because I see you are righteous in this generation. If we calculate the generations between Noah to Moshe Rabbeinu, we have 17. How? We know in Pirkei Avot it says that from Noah to Abraham are 10 generations. From Abraham to Moshe Rabbeinu, we have Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Levi, Kehat, Amram, Moshe. Seven more. We have 17 generations between Noah and Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem tells Noah, Noah, you're lacking. You neglected to pray on behalf of your generation. Nevertheless, Hashem invites him to come into the Teva. Hashem provides the rationale to allow Noah into the Teva. He says, Noah, I see you are a Sadiq Bedor Hazeh. In the generation of Hazeh. It says, what is Hazeh? Hey, Zion, hey. Five, seven, five. The total number, 17. In other words, Hashem is telling Noah, I see that in 17 generations, the Gilgul of Noah will be Moshe, and Noah and Moshe will make amends for your fatal flaw by his willingness to sacrifice himself for B'nai Israel when you weren't willing to sacrifice yourself to the world. He's going to say, Mecheni, and he's going to fix Noach. This teaches us something unbelievable. Moshe Rabbeinu turning to Hashem, he says, erase me, erase me. Moshe reminds Hashem that he wrote before that Noah found favor in his eyes only because that Moshe is going to come and say, Mecheni. In other words, he said, Hashem, you looked into the future, you saw what was going to be, and I'm only fulfilling it, so you have to bear their sin. I made amends, Moshe is saying to Hashem, for what Noah did wrong. So I deserve to remain alive. But if not... Everything is messed up. The whole system is messed up because you said to Noah, the only reason you're saving Noah is because I'm going to stand up to you now. He says, you said that I saw Sadiq in Dor Hazeh, the 17th generation. That's me telling you, Mecheinina. And therefore, I have to fix me Noah with the word Mecheini. Moshe is saying, I'm the Gilgul of Noah, and the decree was issued against me, and I deserve to die in his place because I messed up. He says, but now I'm doing the right thing. So we have the omission of Moshe's name in this parasha. It constitutes the fulfillment of Moshe's appeal. Moshe says, if not, erase me now by omitting his name. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is revealing to all of B'nai Israel the degree of the self-sacrifice on behalf of Moshe for B'nai Israel. 
when Moshe says that, he has to honor the request of Moshe. He has to delete it in a way to show that Moshe received the tikkun for the neshama of Noah, who did not do so. Like we said, the last word of last week's perasha, nechoshet ve'ata, Noah shet ve'ata. Hashem doesn't mention Moshe's name in this parasha because of his act of self-sacrifice, praying on behalf of his generation. And through that, through being gone, willing to be gone, he, he fixes the sin of Noah, or the, the lacking of Noah. So we pointed out the word Shemen is, Shemen is the three names, Shet, Moshe, Noah. Now I'm going to give you something really unbelievable, something amazing. It's based on the Midrash Tanhuma, and it's really going to allow us to understand this dove comparison. So you have to listen carefully. This is the, we'll go from here. I think we'll end with this. Hashem commanded us to light the lamps in the Bet HaMikdash. Light the Menorah. Specifically with olive oil, and as we mentioned, to commemorate the deed of the dove. After the Mabul, the dove returns with the olive leaf in his mouth. The Midrash says, just as the dove brought light to the world, so too you, B'nai Israel, who are compared to the dove, are going to bring olive oil to light the lamp before me. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan said, just as olive oil causes, oh, sorry, the Gemara in Horayot, 13b. Rabbi Yochanan says, olives themselves, a person who eats olives, forgets 70 years of Torah. But olive oil restores 70 years of Torah. We have to understand, why do olives make you forget and olive oil makes you remember? The Gemara teaches us the virtues of a person who teaches Torah to others. Pi ha-parcha bechokma etorah chesed aleshona. Is what we say in uh, Eshet Hayim. The Torah it says, "Torah Chesed al The Torah of Chesed is on her tongue, and the rabbis ask a question: Torah Chesed, a Torah of Chesed. Is there a different Torah, a Torah of No Chesed? What is the Torah of No Chesed? The Gemara questions this. Which one is it? it? Says, "How could you have one of Chesed, one of not?" And the Gemara answers. The Torah of Chesed is the Torah that a person gives over to someone else. The Torah of Chesed is the Torah that someone keeps only to themselves. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says, whoever withholds the teaching of a halacha from the mouth of his student, he robs him of his morasha. He robs him of his heritage. We say, Torah sivalanu Moshe, morasha keilat Yaakov. It's the heritage of all of B'nai Israel since the creation. So a person who's a Torah scholar who doesn't teach his students, who doesn't teach others, he's robbing them. There's a message conveyed in the Mishnah and Pirkavot. If you learn much Torah, don't think it's a merit to yourself because this is the purpose for which you were created. The Midrash explains the Mishnah. If you learned much Torah, don't keep that precious commodity to yourself. Rather, teach it to others. Because this is the purpose for which you were created. The main reason why man is in Olam Hazer is so that he's going to influence others with his Torah. This is the order of creation. Every individual, says Yishayahu, influences someone else. 
and so on and so forth. The Avodat Yisrael, it's a beautiful illusion. He bases it on the Pasuk that man was born le'amal, le'amal, to toil. It says he points out that the word le'amal can be interpreted as abbreviation lilmod al-minat le'lamed that a person should learn specifically in order to teach. We now understand what Rabbi Yochanan is saying. Just as olives cause the forgetting of 70 years, 70 years of Torah, olive oil restores 70 years of Torah. The Midrash Tanhuma said, oil is offered on the Mizbeach. Oil. The olive, though, traps the oil and it's confined within it and cannot escape. So the rabbis explain that the olive is like the scholar who doesn't give up his oil. He doesn't share his knowledge. He keeps it to himself. That's why the olives is forgetting Torah. That's the consequence of someone who doesn't share his knowledge. Olive oil, which is extracted from the olive through great effort, alludes to the Torah study of a person who doesn't keep it to himself. He learns something and he's so excited to say, hey honey, you know what I learned today when I was sitting there? You know, tells his son, tells his friend, tells his brother, that's his conversation, to share the Torah that he learned. Therefore, the sharing, which is like the olive oil, is capable of restoring and remembering what was forgotten for 70 years. This is the difference between Noah and his Gilgul Moshe Rabbeinu. Even though Noah was a Sadiq, nevertheless, he resembled an olive. He kept the oil trapped inside. He didn't make an effort to venture out and teach his generation the ways of the Torah. Could you just imagine? He's building this ark for 120 years. And in 120 years, he didn't find one guy to say, You know what, Mo, yo, you know what, Noah, you're right. I'm going to do Teshuvah. I'm going to be with you. 120 years, not one guy. In contrast, Moshe Rabbeinu resembles olive oil. He taught the Torah to all B'nai Israel, And really, this is how his Gilgul rectifies the floor of Noah. We could begin to understand why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in this perasha. It says you're going to bring clear olive oil to keep the lamp burning. We learned in the Gemara, a person who wants to become wise, he should face south. Why south? Because the Shulchan stood to the north while the Menorah stood to the south. The person who wants to become wealthy, he prays to the north. See a bet, you see a, a shul where the hechal is to the north, you know that was on their mind. They should pray to the north to be wealthy. But this whole idea of leaning to the south, to the wisdom, alludes to the light of kindling the, the, the menorah. Kiner mitzvah ve Torah or. The mitzvah is a candle and the Torah is light. This is why Hashem says to Moshe, they shall, they shall take clear olive oil crushed for illumination. Hashem wants them to light the menorah with olive oil so that we would understand that the purpose of studying Torah is not just to take it in, but to enlighten other people like olive oil that emerges from the olive to, to promote the memory. 
Hence, HaKadosh Baruch Hu explains that the reason for the mitzvah of taking olive oil is to keep the lamp burning continuously because it's a wonderful device for ensuring the perpetuation of the Torah. We now can really understand what is the dove telling Noah. What's the significance? The dove comes back to Noah and he comes back in the evening and he has an olive branch. She has an olive branch or he has an olive branch in his mouth. After the dove saw the water receded from the surface of the earth, she comes to tell Noah, Noah, you have to make a tikkun. You have to fix your mistake. She brings him the olive leaf. And this hints to him, Noah, you resemble an olive. Your whole life you kept it inside. You trapped the oil inside. You never let it go. We see that Noah basically disappears. He doesn't influence the generation with the door. How come? Because he didn't learn the lesson. Furthermore, what is the dove indicating to Noah? That Noah, you're going to have to come back as a Gilgul of Moshe. And Moshe is going to make amends by kindling the menorah with the oil of the olive. Allowing the oil to emerge for the benefit and the enlightenment of others we could finally appreciate the cryptic wisdom of the, of the rabbis in the Midrash. Just as the dove brought light to the world, so too you, B'nai Israel, are compared to the dove. You shall, you shall command they should bring the olive oil. This, this coincides magnificently with the whole idea of what we said, Moshe rectifies the Neshama of Noah, who was a Gilgul of Shet. The Tikkun began with his willingness to sacrifice his life in order to spare Bnei Israel from extermination. He says, It was for this reason that his name is not in this parasha. But the second lesson that we have, the vital second lesson is this, that not only do we have to appreciate and care about each other, but we have to teach each other Torah. It's incumbent upon us to teach other people. Everything we learn, we have to share. This command alludes to the three Gilgulim, Shemen, Shet, Moshe, Noach. This is what's there. By taking the olive oil, representing the transmission of the Torah to others, Moshe rectifies the Neshama of Noach. Says in the process, the three Gilgulim achieve a complete tikkun. In in in, in it's it's so so interesting that it's in the pureness of the olive oil that Moshe brings, he purifies their neshamot. So for us, the lesson is, we have to appreciate the world Hashem gave us. We have to appreciate every person in the world. We have to appreciate what they do, and we have to share what we learn. Every day we have to learn. Learn in order to teach. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful Shabbat and a beautiful Chag Purim. Please email back your comments to rabbidavidbeebe at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great holiday.